Well, welcome to Nickelodeon. <laughs> you could tell you could tell a kid's microphone um, anywhere because it's been dropped a thousand times. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. Hey, listen. Um, my my wife and I. She's in the back. Give it up for Diana Nepstad. She's absolutely amazing. We co-pastor together and started when I was 24 years old. 24 years old. You got to be half crazy to start church at 24. And we started when I was 24 years old with four girls under the age of two. Whoa. What? Two-year-old, a one-year-old, and twins that were zero. It's because we're such good planners. That's what that is. <laughs> they're all here, actually. Now um, they're 18. 17 and twins are 16. They are the best. All we worship. My 16 year old daughter just preached on a Sunday three weeks ago and it was solid, everybody. It was just amazing. So they were with us through all of the launch, and I'm fifth generation pastor on both sides of my family. And uh, for a long time, it was just kind of insinuated you preach your guts out and have good worship, and the church will grow. Well, we were seven years of doing that, and it wasn't growing. I mean, we grew to 350 people really fast, and then just stopped, just plateaued. Very, very, very humbling, very exhausting. Kind of feel like we were racing down a mountain on a, mo- on a motorcycle, and then all of a sudden, we get to the bottom, and we hit a bunch of mud, and we get stuck, and we're not moving. The engine's going, the tires are spinning, but we're not growing at all. And our testimony is God has done something amazing. And why I love ARC is because we started a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, God gave us a relationship with the ARC that literally saved our life. Because I was praying, not many people knew this, I was praying, God, I've hit my lid. And the scary thing is I began to accept that. And I, I said, okay. Tell me another pastor to pass this church on to, and I will gladly give it to them. Because apparently I've hit my lid and somebody else needs to take this church to where it needs to go. I think a lot of churches and pastors have prayed that prayer before without allowing God to lift the lid for them. So the good news and why I feel like God's given us a life message to help people who feel stuck is because we were stuck for so long. We were stuck for seven years. We've had seven years of famine and now seven years of plenty. God is faithful. He can lift the lid. He can turn it around. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Amen. So that's a little bit about us. Um, we're talking about portable power. And when I say portable power, I think of porta potties for some reason. That's not what I'm trying to do today. But how many, how many are currently portable churches? You are currently in a portable environment. How many of you are getting ready to plant and you're, you're thinking of going portable? Okay. Couple, all right. So good. Um, we started in 2002 in a cafetorium. <laughs> That's not even a word. That's a cafeteria with a stage. And we rolled in smelling like tater tots and gym socks. And that nasty box of lost and found clothes that everybody has. And, and we, we rolled in there, and uh, Stephen Furtick has his own scent. He has, it all smells like orange, because that's their color. Well, guess what? We had a scent, too. He was the Lost and Found Spot. And we started with 22 people in a living room, got into this cafeteria, setting up, tearing down. We were portable for 13 years. I hear these church planners nowadays are like, oh my gosh, I've been portable for like 18 months. I look at them like, shut your face. <laughs> I will scissor kick you to the throat. I'm talking about 18 months, try 13 years. 
and we picked a, a place that was a school cafeteria, and when we, we changed from that, it was because we got kicked out, not because we were bad, but they were going to do the floors, and we had no place to go. So three months in, we're the first church of the homeless. And, and then the city makes a rule. You have to move churches, you have to move schools every single year. Just a rule that they made when we planted our church. We're playing musical churches. Just here for a year, move over here for a year. I felt like changing our name to Church on the Move. Like if you can find us, you can worship with us. Otherwise, you have to use your discernment. And it was a struggle, man. It's setting up, tearing down, loading in, loading out. We started with a U-Haul truck and a and a, a storage unit at first. We'd load it all up. I would load it all up with two other guys. This is pre-ARC. This is before anything that I knew about ARC. This is, there's, <laughs> I say this, there's a couple ways to plan a church. There's the, the ARC way, and then there's the hard way. And we did it the hard way. And in and out, in and out, every, every day, I'd preach full-on suit, because I was 24 years old back in 2002, with some fake glasses. Come on, somebody, trying to make myself look older. <laughs> And I set up a tear down. I mean, I'm, I'm closing. I'm, I'm in a suit of hot, sweaty. I'd lead worship. <clears throat> then I'd do the announcements. Then I'd preach. And I'd do the offering and the altar call. There was no prayer team. I was the prayer team. I'd just line them up Benny Hinn style. I'll pray for everybody. <laughs> and then I'm trying to have a conversation with the people, but I know we have to get out of there on time. So it's like you're shortening the conversation. Yeah. Okay, thanks for coming today. Appreciate you. I got to take, take the drums apart. You know, you're, you're doing everything. Everything, everything. And so we'll talk about building teams tomorrow and grow. And uh, that's been our passion. God has enabled us to grow significantly. And God has given us great grace. And we got into our own building. And um, I'll never forget, though, we have really comfortable seats now. We had these we had these plastic stackable chairs. How many of the, ch- the chairs that stack up to a million? Those picnic chairs. I went to a storage, I mean a, a hardware store. And they were selling these plastic chairs. One chair was for a dollar chair, and another one for for a three dollar chair. Which one do you think I wanted? Why would I buy the same chair if I could get the chair for a dollar? So we had we had a portable church, cafetorium, smelling like gym socks, and we had plastic chairs in the middle and metal chairs on the sides. So when we had options at our church. <laughs> this one guy came in one day weighing probably about, I don't know, 250, which is totally fine. Problem occurred when he decided he was going to sit in a plastic chair and lean back. Now, those chairs can hold any weight. The problem is not sitting in the chair. The problem is when you decide to lean back in the chair and those cha- those back legs just gave up the ghost. <laughs> in the middle of my sermon, I'm preaching like God loves you. He has a purpose for your life. Boom! And it wasn't even like a holy Cornelius fall in Acts 10. It was sheer pain. And I don't even know what to do. They didn't train me how to do that in Bible college. Like, what do you do when someone falls out in the middle of your message? I just stop. And I don't want to bring attention to them, but I don't want to ignore them either. I'm like, hey, you okay, brother? Like, you good? He never came back. I should have went with a $3 chair. That's the lesson there, ladies and gentlemen. But we have had our share of experiences of, of what to do and how to do it. We've done a lot of stuff wrong. And in the last few years, we did a lot of stuff right. And today, as we talk about portable power and what that looks like for you, there's a lot of options that you can have. But the goal is, the goal is to create the nicest experience that you possibly can. Right. The nicest experience with what you possibly can. We tried to move into a movie theater first. I got the verbal approval from the manager of the movie theater. I said, look at God. 
We have a 60,000 square foot movie theater. This is going to be amazing. I get a call later, a couple weeks ago, later that says, I'm so sorry, Sean, from the manager. There was another church that beat you by an hour that went to corporate. And I'm begging him, please, I'm begging you the pastor, can we just have like, you enter on that side of the building, I'll enter on this side. They said, no, we don't want competition. I'm like, the only competition we have is the devil. You know, <laughs> try to sell it. That didn't work out. God closed the door three weeks before our launch, and then I went to a school cafeteria, which I think probably is a, was a better play. Um, there's a lot of different venue options that you can you can pick, and I don't want to spend too much time on on the front end if you guys are mostly portable currently. But I do want to hit it for those that are getting ready to launch portable. Movie theaters are cool, but the sound system is hard because those that room is made for the Lord of the Rings, not your little. You know, this is the day that the Lord has made. So it sucks up the, the volume fast, and it's super dark. It's it's like it's like Amber Crombie in Fish. You're like you can't see anything. <laughs> bring your own flashlight. You got to bring a lot of extra lights in there so people can even read your Bible, right? Um, so there's problems with that. Then you got popcorn popping during your altar call, and um, people are trying to get out. And usually there's a time limit. Like you can't. It's hard to do two services there because they generally want you out by like 11, which makes you you know do some super early services. And then kids' church, of course, is like one big old massive room that they have stair stadium seating in the the, the middle uh, bottom section in the front. That's your kids' church area. So or nursery. So it's a little challenging, but not impossible. Um, how many are currently in a theater right now? You're in a theater? How do you like it? She said thumbs down. How do you like it? Love it. Love it. Tell me what you're doing about it. What do you love about it? We don't have to set up chairs. That's good. <laughs> so lazy. Such a lazy church planner. They let us store all of our equipment there. That's a win. That is a win. What do you about like? So you bring them in? So okay. It works okay? How's sound? Sounds okay? So... Forget everything I just said. <laughs> no, but take, you have to go through, and you need to you need to walk through some, because some theaters are in great locations that everybody already knows. Is that how you guys are right now, bro? Hey, bro. I'm sorry. I'm huh? No, I'm sorry. Um, is that how you guys are? Is that is it in a great location? Um, yeah. Like everybody knows where it is. That's the great thing about theaters. Everybody already knows where they are. Uh, sometimes it's a school. The school thing is kind of cool because you kind of own the campus. It, you can turn it into your place. And there are a few other options. If you're portable, you're setting up tearing down, I would highly recommend that you invest in building some boxes to put all your stuff in. Roll cases, road cases, that type of stuff. Because your team is going to get very, very weary of carrying everything in week after week after week. Now here's the deal. You have to keep them motivated try 13 years. Now here's what I did. Here's what we did. We turned that setup team and closed, we said we called them openers and closers because teardown sounded negative, whatever. But anyway, language creates culture. So so openers and closers, I would be there for a long time and I was there just until somebody told me, Sean, you don't need to come anymore. And then when that happened, I was like, praise the Lord. But until then, I needed to be there because I was setting culture. So Set up and break down people are generally the people who have the gift of craftsmanship and then typically are not strong leaders all the time. Yeah. You have to be careful because sometimes these are the big brute guys and some 
Sometimes some great ladies who show up and like, I want to be on this team. And sometimes you got to be careful because you're waking them up early. You're getting them in intensive labor right off the bat. So you got to keep them highly caffeinated. Provide caffeine, maybe some donuts, sugar rush them, woo, energy drinks, whatever, because that's a lot of work early. Now here's what I would highly recommend as well. You need to make sure that that turns into a small group. Because they will, they will do life together for the extent of your portable experience. At first it was just random people, and then I, I rallied them up, and now it's, now it's a small group. Listen, I talked to several churches. We got in our building about a year and some change ago, and the church has grown a lot since then. We're thankful for that. Thankful we don't have plastic chairs anymore. Sedentary now, but I'll tell you what, there's something that people miss now. Because they serve together there. I talked to a lot of churches, successful churches, that they have people leave the church when they get a building. Like your team complains about it now, but when you get a building one day, they're going to miss that. The camaraderie, the joking, the laughing, they are a small group. So here's what we did. Plan this out. Whenever you do get a building, hopefully it's not 13 years from now, I had all the setup team, the closing team, openers, closers come. We threw them a, uh, a brunch. Thank you, guys. We gave them a tour of the facility. This would not have happened without you setting up, tearing down every day. You made life change possible. I mean, we pumped them up, and then I slid a piece of paper across the table and said, now, which group are you signing up for now? Sign up for You're not leaving. Lock the doors, ushers. You're not leaving until you jump on another team because you'll lose them. Because you need to make sure that they're a small group. Now, here's what we do. We do a rally before first service, 45 minutes before service. And listen, this is really going to help you. 45 minutes before first service and our 5 o'clock. We are moving to five services this Sunday. And uh, we do huddle before first and 5 o'clock. The rally is this. Rally, rally, lobby, rally, 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 time, rally. I mean, any time you want, you can say rally. Interns, people are clapping, screaming, rally in the lobby. You get everybody in the rally, rally up in the lobby, and then you get them there, and they're all hyped up. It's early, and you ask them a stupid question. Hey, guys, listen. I want you to find somebody you don't know or you don't know that well. Tell them what you had to eat last night. Ready to go. Next week. Hey, what's your favorite dessert? Find somebody. Tell them. Ready to go. If you had to eat a bug the next week, what would it be? You ready to go? If you had to be stranded on a desert island, what would it, who would you want to be with you and why? You know, ready to go. Something stupid every week. And they start talking and laughing like you could not get them to any other way. One minute, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let it go longer than a minute. One minute. What's your, uh, you need a cockroach that's gross. I do an ant because it's small but spicy. Ha, 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 ha. We literally have to ask our team, all right, everybody, stop liking each other. Come on back, come on back, come on back. And we joke a little bit about the cheesecake or the, here's what I know. It broke the ice. Your team's there super early, many times before it's even bright outside. They're sacrificing their team. And here's what I know. It's not about getting the job done. It's about getting the people done. We used to get up there and I'd just be like, hey, hurry up. We got to get these chairs straight before church starts. Yeah. It's not about the job. It's about those people. So we do this rally that starts with a stupid question. Because if I know a fun fact about you every week, I'm going to like you more. Uh, There's total purpose and intentionality to this. And then we tell them a one-minute story of a win that they made happen. 
Hey guys, listen. There was a there was a guy that came to church a few weeks ago and said to Sean at the gym, "Thanks for making the church for the broken." I came to your church high on dope one day at a, at a community center. I was walking by your portable church, and I, I came in. It hadn't started yet, so I left. Two of those people, he was talking about greeters, came out and grabbed me and said, why don't you stay? We're going to start in 10 minutes. I came back in. I trembled under the power of God. I felt the love of God for the first time. I raised my hand for salvation. And I went up for prayer, and God instantly delivered me from drugs. I've been 80 days sober. And then we turn around and say, guys, that's because you were here early setting up these chairs for him to sit in, setting up the sound system for hearing him to hear the message. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Let's go make another story together today. One, two, three. Dream team. Every Sunday. Find a win for them, because if they don't know why they're there, they won't stay there. They don't know why they're there at 5 a.m. They're not going to stay there. Or they're going to stay there with the wrong attitudes and become cynical. you got to guard the culture of everybody on your team. Culture is anything you create or allow. There's not one thing you're not responsible for in your church. You either created it or you allowed it. So we, did, we had a couple cynical people on our team in the portable church experience, and it was rough, and we just let it go. So I'm 25 and 26 years old, just kind of didn't want anybody to leave, and they infected everybody else on the portable team. So make sure. Here's something else I would say. <clears throat> Don't make people over the team. Don't pick people who are over the portable setup, the teardown team, who are faithful. Don't make them leads of the team. Because many times what we do is we just say, hey, here's Jimmy. We never have to ask him to show up. He's here every Sunday. Let's make him believe. He's faithful, but you put him in that position and he kills the team. Why? Because he's faithful and he's good at doing that, but he's not a leader and a team builder. We have done a disservice to the church because we take good workers and make them leaders and it kills teams. Find people who are team leaders. I don't even care if somebody's not good at something. Like, if they don't know anything about production, but they know how to build a team, make them over that team. Because the goal is to get people to build teams. Our church, we grew to 2,000 people with three full-time staff. Are you hearing me? 2,000 people, three full-time staff. It was me, an administrator, and a guy who did uh, youth and interns and small groups. Like, like... That's because our dream team was killing it. We had one in two people serving at the church. So that enabled us when this building came along, we had $3 million in the bank. We're like, yes, the answer is yes, we're buying this building. So I want to encourage you, don't feel like you can't grow in your portable experience because you don't have the money to pay staff and you know raise up and raise money to pay more people. Like You're not hiring staff to do jobs. We actually tell our staff, if I catch you doing the job, you're probably going to get fired. I don't need you to do the job. I need you to build teams. Because it's not about getting the job done. It's about getting the people done. So the portable experience is very important. You need to make whatever experience that you have yours. Don't let it look like it looks during the week. If it's a if it's a high school gym, you need to change that sucker. If it's a movie theater, I don't need to see, you know, Lord of the Rings on, on, the, on the side panel. That that's the new movie coming out. You can pipe and drink the heck out of that room. My friend Tim Steyer does a great job in Florida. He has two campuses, and you might want to go down there at some point. If you're anywhere back Jacksonville, Florida, but I'm now because there's a hurricane. Uh, help him, Jesus. 
But he, he's done a great job, and I've preached there before, and in the movie theater, they pipe and drape from the lobby. As soon as you walk in, most church planners will be like, let's just focus on the one room we're in. No, no, no. It's the entire experience. The sermon begins in the parking lot. So you got people out there with the signs, Sunday is fun day. You belong here already. Come sit with us. We're glad you're here. Why? Because there are people that are pulling up in your parking lot, gripping the steering wheel, contemplating leaving because they're not sure what your church is going to be like. And we've had people say, I saw the sign. I was about to leave. I saw the sign. And then I said, it's going to be okay. You, you need to create momentum from the parking lot. It's already weird. They're coming to church in a school. They're coming to church in a cafetorium or a theater or whatever your, your, your place is. It's not a church in their minds. You know, you're trying to reach unchurched people. So you've got to make it excellent to them. No matter what, what you are working with, make it excellence because excellence creates comfort. Excellence creates comfort. I'm not a fan of Motel 6. Um, I've stayed there a lot over the years. And when we first got married, my wife and I, we, uh, 1998, had one baby, Hadassah is her name. So beautiful, so cute. And we go down to LA for a, a, a pastor's conference. As we're there, I'm at, I'm at Motel 6. I'm like, you know what? There's got to be a cheaper hotel than this. Come on, I'm 22. $59 is a lot of money. And we're going to be there for three nights. So I'm like, babe, let's just go look around. So I load up my, my daughter, she's one, my wife, and my 18-year-old cousin who's interning with us. We drive around L.A. <clears throat> How many know there's some hotels in L.A.? So I saw a lot of expensive hotels, and then we get to this one part where I see this one hotel, it says $20 a night. I'm like, look at the Lord. <laughs> it's probably $20 an hour. Anyway, I said, babe, we're going here. I, I check in. But everybody's tired and exhausted from an hour of driving, searching. We walk in, and as we walk in, there's this orange shag carpet that's been there since 1973. You know some stuff is growing in that. And my, my cousin just goes and plops on this queen-size bed. Diana, she walks into the bathroom and screams. I said, what is it? It's a cockroach. But not your normal cockroach. This is an L.A. hood cockroach. This cockroach didn't even run when the lights came on. You know, when, usually when you turn the lights on, cockroaches run. This one didn't run. He looked at you like, what? This is my hood. He's the type of cockroach that you spray rain. He grabs a straw and says, is that all you got? Then I look over at my cousin. I'm like, get up, bro. Get up. No, I'm tired. No, get up right now. Don't do another thing. Get up. He's laying on a blood stain. How do you know we didn't feel comfortable in that hotel? We went straight back to Motel 6 because they left the light on for us. I spoke at this one place and they put me up in a hotel called the Sofitel in Australia. Oh my goodness, they have their own scent. It's amazing. You walk in, you just feel like, hmm. they have a pillow bar. You're not stuck with the pillow they gave you. You're going to like it? You get to choose from five. Soft, medium, hard, X. I mean, just, I just relaxed there. Why? Because I wasn't worried about anything. How many times have you been to a place where it wasn't excellent and you felt jittery, felt uncomfortable, like, hey, sit down here, this is nasty, there's things on the, there's stains on the wall. You need to make sure your portal experience, you make it as excellent as you possibly can. Pipe and drape, when I say pipe and drape, I mean 18 foot pipe and drape. Yeah. Like hide everything to the ceiling, to the heavens. <laughs> 
And then my friend Tim Stair in the cafeteria, he made their he made his own lobby. And so you walk into the cafeteria and they have pipe and drape to the ceiling, but they, they pipe and drape a lobby with these cool screens. Now you have TV screens looking over here on trusses. And you come in, they have an information booth, it's all music's pumping. You're creating culture from the parking lot because your goal is to get them to attend as fast as you can and keep them there the entire time. So now you walk into the lobby, it's makeshift, but you don't really notice it because it's just cool drapes. And then you walk over here, you walk into the experience room, which is the same room, but he just divided it to make it look like it's two rooms. And now we have lights, we have the smoke, we have camera action, and it's, it's all, I feel like I'm not at a gym. So you got to make sure that you do everything you possibly can to, to win the people over from the parking lot and with excellence. Getting back to the team, after our rally, we now go to huddles. So after this big rally, we'll do the dream team, let's go make another story together today. They go to their huddles, which is the same thing, but on a smaller scale with each individual team. This is also important because you need to make sure, make sure, make sure that everybody there is pastor before they ever lift a finger. We're not using people for their gifts. We're developing leaders. So, hey, how was your week this week? You know what? I had a rough week. They're talking about laying people off. Hey, let's just pray for Jenny real quick. We, we have a God moment there. And for us, it was, a, it was a lot of trial and error. We moved ten times in nine years. Oh, all over the place. And we would just roll in and roll out, and we would make the, that room ours. Have you ever been to um, a concert that is not like at a like an arena. I don't know, like Brian and Jen or Hillsong will come into a venue and just they put it all up there and it looks concert level. They do that in like six to eight hours. They come in there, they set it up, and it transforms a venue, and then they they leave. They they do an incredible night, and you're so impressed. Like this place was amazing. It's all having the right stuff and transforming the room to be your own. So whatever you're doing, make sure that you're making that your own. So we talked about team. You got to keep the team encouraged that they're a small group. Talk about some venues. Anybody in another venue aside from a school or a theater? Anybody in another one? What's that? We're in a community. Yeah, community. We did that too. We did it all. <laughs> if you can bargain your way to get on-site storage, it'll save your team so much. By the way, everything is negotiable. Let me say that again. Everything is negotiable. I came to the community center. I said, how much, how much is it? They said, $7,500 a month. I said, is that negotiable? They said, no. I said, I'll pay you six months in advance. They said, deal. If, I, if we could do $6,000 instead of seventy five, they said, deal. So I said, I saved $1,500 a month just by paying 50, uh, uh, six months in advance. And then they gave us portable on-site storage. And man, that just helped us so much because you got to find somebody who's, who has a truck. You got to find somebody who wants to go get the trailer or trailers, depending on how large your thing is, and bring it back. And then after church, he wants to go to lunch, but he can't. He has to go back and drop it off and then go home. If you can negotiate on site storage, it'll save your team. Now, here's something else when you break stuff, tell them and replace it immediately. When I rolled into this, one of the schools, one of our favorite schools, um, the, the custodian was screaming at me. He didn't want us there, but the principal agreed. 
he was giving me a tour. I was like, hey, is it, would it be possible to get like maybe a couple of classrooms for our children's ministry? No! Don't ask again. Only thing on the agreement is the cafeteria. I'm tired. And just went off. And I looked at our staff like, oh, and goodness. I don't know if we should stay here. We did. We had a piece about it. We stayed there. He was mad because there had been a church before us that gave a bad rep. Church about 30 people. They broke stuff, wouldn't say anything. They were demanding, all the time demanding him to do stuff. Listen, we won him over. I said, all you need to to do for us is open the door and close the door. Don't even set chairs up. We'll do all of that. And we'll we'll take care of everything. When something broke, hey, the radio clip broke on this. We will pay it by tomorrow. The flag pole, somebody kicked it over. The wing of the eagle, it's it's now, it's been clipped. So we will replace that tomorrow. (laughs) We won him over. When we left, listen to me, he cried. He said, your family. He died two years ago. His wife called and said, would you come and do the funeral? When I did the funeral, I prayed for the funeral. At the end, we have some teachers that go there. He said this. He said, uh, the teacher, she said, you didn't know this. Because I would invite him all the time. Come sit in the service. Man, we've been here for a couple of years. Come sit in the service. Uh. She said, you didn't know this. But on Mondays, he would come in and tell, tell me what the message was about. He would go into the kitchen and sing when your when your band played, and he'd stand in the back and listen to every sermon. Your portable experience is reaching more than just your vision. You're reaching the people that work at that school, the custodians. Become really good friends with them, win them over, buy them lattes, give them gift cards. I mean, give them just bless people. But you need to know there are people watching you. And let your light shine in every environment. Amen, everybody? So, um, also, do things for whoever your area is for. Like, if you're in a portable experience, for the community center, the school, the theater. Find out what their needs and wish lists are and meet those. Find out what the wish list is and meet that. We're about to go into another, let's launch a second campus. And I was trying to negotiate with this principal because they didn't want us in there. They were you know, questioning. I was like, listen, we want to be a blessing to you. We don't, we're not just takers. When we come in here, we want to be a blessing to you. We want to buy stuff you know, for your kids who are needy or maybe buy backpacks, school supplies, whatever. I saw a sign out there that says help close the funding gap. I don't even know what that is, but I don't help close that. Let them know that you're there to be a blessing. So, provide breakfast. Some days to show up and provide breakfast for all the teachers. Say, hey, we're going to buy backpacks for kids that are in need. That changes their whole perspective. They're like, we've never had a church do this before. We're going to come and just, I don't know, get creative. And serve the, the, the people that are allowing you to use their building. Because that school, they don't get any money from you. It goes straight to the district, nine times out of ten. So how can you be a benefit to them? Well, some of the teachers, they have to decorate the classrooms and they do it out of their own budget. So we're going to bless them. We're going to show up on a day or we're going to redo the teacher's lounge. This lounge looks nasty. Uh, we want to come buy some Ikea furniture, make it look fat, someplace where they actually want to go. You will win them over. Then next time you ask for something, like, hey, when, do you think it would be possible like, to have a little room for us to put some store stuff so we wouldn't have to do a trailer? Then you, then you have scratched the back, they're going to scratch yours. 
So really be thinking about becoming best friends with the custodians uh, or the people that work at the front desk. They're the people who have decision-making power. You need, to, you need to make sure that you are loving on them, man. And um, for the people that feel like you're going to be stuck there until Jesus comes, you know, the people that come like, hey, do you have any plans of ever having a permanent facility? <laughs> no, you idiot. We want to be here forever in a cafetorium. <laughs> but some people, I ask those questions, and you have to say, you know what? We're really grateful for this right now because this is cost effective and we're still able to reach people while we plan and be really strategic with our finances and money. And, you know, you can answer that way, but make sure, make sure, make sure that you're. You're, you're leading with vision, like this is not our end goal. I had one couple came to our church from another, and they asked me that question. I was like, yes, totally. We want to get a building as soon as God would open the door. God's the one who opens the doors and closes the doors, so we're waiting on Him, being faithful with what we have. I mean, that's the, that's the pastor political response, right? But they came from another church where they asked the pastor the same thing. Like, hey, do you have any plans on a vision for getting an open permanent facility? He said, no. We're just kind of good. We're good. And that turned them off. They didn't want that. They wanted to know that you're going somewhere. You have some vision to grow. So, so be careful how you answer some of those questions. What time are we going to? Fine. Yeah, that sounds like you guessed. Four? <laughs> Four Um, I want to do some Q&A in just a second. But I believe that what we've talked about so far is very pertinent, that you have to make sure your team is healthy. To make sure your team is healthy. you got to make sure that your environment is excellent. And I would put signs out everywhere. Signage is huge. We always think we have enough signs because we have one. Uh, we have, I would suggest those, you know, those sandwich board signs? Put those out in front of your venue. And then real big block letters. Don't put service times and all this stuff on there because it's too small. Have you ever driven by like a restaurant that tries to put their whole menu on the sandwich board? You just drive by and you're like, Chinese food. That's all I saw. <laughs> you, you can't see. It's pointless. So just put, like, your church name, Arrow. And not just one. Put them outside your venue. And then down the street, on the, on the first intersection, put them there. And then 50 feet beyond that so they know where to turn. <laughs> like, you can very easily have five, six, eight sandwich board signs leading people into your venue to get them there. Because it's not a church. You need to help people find you. You also need a great website. Really, the, the, the sermon begins at the website, not just the parking lot. 30 minutes? Yeah, 30 more minutes. Awesome. Um, so the sermon begins at the website, and the website is so crucial because a bad website is actually worse than no website. Yeah, that's right. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. Because if, if I see something that's bad, I'm definitely not coming. So make sure your website's very user-friendly and, and easy to find you. Right on the home page somewhere, um, like a map or directions and service times that people can just know to come in and and, um, and know where you are right away. If I have to double click or click into another page to find an address or something, that's going to just limit my chances of actually coming. Um, all right, so I'm going to open up for some questions. How many, how many have a question about portal experience? We did it for 13 years. Maybe we can help you out a little bit. Uh, about venue or practices and that kind of thing. Yeah. Any suggestions from your experience, I should say? Um, we're going to be launching at another church. It's an existing church, but they're 
struggling financially, so they're letting us come in like after their services. What time? At 1.30. That's rough. It is, <laughs> it is but uh, location-wise, it's really hard to come by. Uh, this is my personal opinion. Oh, did you, are you finished with the question? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So his question for the recording is, he is running it from another church, starting at 1.30, and I think your question was about maybe how to navigate that relationship. Yeah. And, yeah. First of all, I would say don't plan at 1.30. I think church people go to church from 9 to noon. I think you're going you're gonna to put more barriers on yourself than you, you deserve. I would personally rather go into a less um, a user-friendly venue and do it at the proper time than a church, another church at 1.30 because I don't know people that go to church at 1.30. And even people who are killing it, like have multiple services and they have like a 1.30 service, that would be their least attended. So you're starting off, there's already growth barriers that are in front of us and our arc is all about launch big, as big as you can because 100, 300, 500, 700, 1,000, those are real growth barriers that you can't see but they're there if you can break a couple of those on day one, you're going to be so many more miles ahead. I would highly encourage you to go look back at your city, pray God. If, if I mean, if you do it, you do it. But if I would, I would say, go pray again, go look again, go ask God for a school, a, a theater, something, a room, a community center that you can make your own and use it on your right time. Because all the the statistics that we've done from Ark and we've been doing this a long time. People go to church from 9 to noon. It's hard to get them to go outside of that. If you do do it through with that church, you got to make... Uh, it's temporary. Yeah, but, I, but it's your launch. Yeah. It's your first impression. It's a soft launch, launch just kind of for a core group, just to do church, do life together. But our main launch is going to be more like April. And, you know, but for the time being, for the next couple of months, that's just kind of... Yeah, practice services are cool, but do you have your main service there? But anyway, back to your question about this church, just bless them. I mean, they're hurt financially. Figure out if they have a room they want redecorated or a sound piece of equipment. Something that would bless them that you can use. And then, you know, like for the community center, we were like, we will buy you a brand new projector and leave it here when we're gone. Like we were offering stuff like that. Anything we can do, because we do want to be a blessing. So find ways to be a blessing there. But as far as church logos and signage and stuff, you need to put signs up everywhere. I mean, make that your church if you're going to do that. Yeah. Over here. Any other questions? Yeah. We've had a, we're on, on 16 years now, portable. Wow, you beat me. Um, but the senior pastor died after 10 years, and so we're kind wow. of in a relaunch stage. Um, and uh, one of the things that we're struggling with is the setup, teardown stuff. We've got you know people who've been doing it for 10 plus years. And so there's a lot of pushback of like, well, that's a lot of work and we don't want to ask that of our volunteers. So like, like I've been pushing for more pipe and drape and they're like, well, we used to do that, but it just takes too much time. And you know, how would you navigate that? Yeah, you can't be people led, you have to be vision led. And you have to understand that they're looking at it from a wrong mentality. They're looking at it from, let me say it this way. If I went to Krispy Kreme and, and the hot sign is on, how many love it when the hot sign's on? And you go on there and you ask the employee, employee, say, hey, you must love it when the hot sign's on that. And they'll tell you, I hate it. Immediately, I know one thing. Oh, you're just a worker. You're not an owner. 
Because you, you, an owner would be like, I love it when the hot sign's on. I love more work to reach more people? Absolutely. That's a culture issue. Now you have to deal with culture and get them to see vision. Why we want to do this. Because we want excellence. Because when people come in, you know, they're used to great venues, they go to shopping malls, and they come in here and see, you know, the who's running for, you know, 11th grade president. We got to cover that, man. We got to. So here's what we're going to do. Well, I'm going to help you build your team because you have some workers in there, but they need now become owners of that. And now you need to build, help them build that team, so it's not just on one. We do a three week rotation. If you serve at our church, you serve one Sunday, one service every three weeks. It's a little different. We have one captain over team leads. So when we were three services, my wife was over the nursery. Like that's 50 people when we were 300 people. So I said, give me nine team leads. We had one captain. I said, you'll be the captain. Nine team leads. Boom. Nine new leaders just arose. They were over one service. And each one of them now only have two responsibilities. Do your huddle. Fish. Uh, 30 minutes before service and do the follow-up process. The follow-up process consists of this. I'm going to write it down. It's easy. It helps you get your team there on time and make sure they show up. If you're a team lead, you you text on Tuesday your team. And then you email on Thursday and phone on Friday. You text them on Tuesday. Hey, blue team, first service. Because we have blue team, red team, and a green team. Blue team, first service. We're up this week. It's our turn to serve. It's going to be amazing. Meet 30 minutes in the lobby for our huddle. If you want to hear back from them on Tuesday, you go on Thursday, email, same message. Hey, Blue Team, first service, we're up this week. Can't wait to see you. Email me back, let me know if you can make it. 30 minutes in the lobby for a huddle. If you don't hear back from them on Thursday, you phone them on Friday. You text Tuesday, email, Thursday, on Friday. And we tell people, you must communicate on the days we say, in the forms of communication we say, not to sound harsh, but the system just works. Yeah. People respond to different forms of communication. So... When someone comes up early on, like, oh, man, my team didn't show up today. Oh, did you do your follow process? I made my calls. Oh, that's not what I asked. Did you text Tuesday, email Thursday, phone Friday? No, I didn't have time. So now I know that I have a wrong leader in place, so I didn't need training. You can have 30 seconds to make a group text. You can have a minute to send a group email. And now it's, now it's encouraging them life-giving chat to pass to them. Okay, here's why that could never happen again. Because somebody came down to our nursery, there was nobody there, and they, they left. What if they weren't Christians? What if they never go to another church because we didn't have our act together? I know that's not your heart, but that's why you can never do that again. I mean, it's that type of chat. So now, for that type of thing, we're like, oh, it's just too much work. We have to turn around and say, man, I need you to have a hunger to do whatever it takes. If it's another light, if it's a fog machine... People are used to excellence, and we're going to cover some stuff up here, and we're going to get a better system, but we need to build a team. Because the same people doing it for 10 years is okay, but my question deeper would be, how many people have they raised up? Probably not many. So, you got to teach them leadership to raise up more people so that it's not them every single week. Because that will get tiresome, and they just want to do minimals. You, got, you can't let your team think in minimals. Like, it's, we got to have a yes we can spirit. Can we build it? Yes we can. We can do this. Another service? Absolutely. It's all culture. Culture, culture. Build culture in that team. So you don't have a seven breakdown problem, you have a culture problem. That makes sense? Turn around and just pastor those people and get them to see the vision of why we're doing it. Anybody else? Yeah. 
for your setup and teardown teams, did you guys have like specific structure as far as like room leadership to hit time maps? Yeah, you could be as organized as you want with that. At first, it was just like everybody do everything, and then then we got a little bit more organized. Like, okay, you guys are in charge of the experience room, you guys are in charge of nursery, and you guys are doing signs. That type of stuff. So you can break it down as much as you want. As much as you can chunk it down to get people responsibility, the better. Because you want to give them responsibility with authority, but train them really hard. This is what I see. This is what I, this is what, this is what it looks like, and I want it like this every week. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. When you guys were setting up, would you get all your teams in at the same time? Or so if you got your, your ushers and your greeters and all that, would they come in all the same time? Or would your setup guys get there really early and the other teams sort of filter in? Setup team, that's a great question. The openers, does everybody get there at the same time? The openers would get there first and unload, but they do their huddle then. Okay. So they do their huddle right then, they, they set up and then they stay for rally and then they go home and change. While everybody else gets there for rally, stays for huddle and does church. So uh, I forgot to mention that, but that's one way that, that keeps them cohesive. And ushers and greeters, everybody else comes out just for that rally. That's when they, they start the day with that. Yeah, because I don't want anybody lifting a finger until I get them done, pastor. I want them to feel important. If they need prayer, I want to pray for them, work through some issues. we got 15 minutes in their huddle. I love on them. It's not about getting the job done. It's about getting the people done. Yeah. How did you handle uh, with the U-Haul? Uh, wear and tear on any of your road cases, things like that, as far as maintenance and So I, I don't recommend you all. I think it's a bad idea because it's, it's double the work. Find a trailer on Craigslist, buy that, get a, someone to jerk the truck, and and um, do that. Because otherwise, it's you have to load the truck and then unload it, and then load the truck and unload it. Whereas if you have a trailer, you just unload, have service, and load. So I would stay away from you alls and the other stuff if you can. Um, but the wear and tear is just going to happen. Don't let people tow the trailers who don't have the proper vehicle because you're going to mess up their axles and you're going to start paying lots of money to fix their cars because you don't want them to have a bad taste in their mouth to the church. So that would be that. Um, what, was, what was the other part? Well, we actually have a 26-foot U-Haul that we store in an RV park so we don't have to unload the, the U-Haul per se. But we're seeing a lot of wear and tear on our road cases because we don't have a lift. It's a ramp. Yeah, that just happens. It just happens. <clears throat> the room at the community center, the walls would get jacked up. We have to come in and resheet rock the walls. That's just part of it. So um, the road cases, again, find a good ar- architect or a wood builder. Uh, what are those guys called? Uh, carpenters. Thanks. <laughs> wood builder. <laughs> you know, that guy, does that, I can tell I'm super handy, right? <laughs> What's the thing you pound? nails with okay um, find somebody to build you some cool road cases and um, with some good casters on them we had six foot ones not just the the cool ones that you have like for tour and for amps and that but we built our own and they were heavy but we'd wheel them in fit them in that room like a glove they got jacked up but uh, it is what it is yeah I work in the staging industry and uh, I would suggest just buying quality Buy stuff to put it just you can do that long. too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, buy the quality material so when you build it, it's, it's made right. Yeah, I mean, if you can afford, afford the proper road cases, those are always the best. <clears throat> but yeah, we got some from another church that are made of plywood. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> Paint them black. I'm, we, I mean, we made them look cool, yeah. but we were always fixing a wheel, putting the new handle on. So we got poked because a screw jabbing and they're bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we're in a theater, our, our time is really constrained. So we only have an hour for setup and then an hour for teardown. Uh, what time do you have to be out? Yeah. What time do you have to be out? Time, um, 11.30. So what time is your service? 8.15 and 9.30. Uh, yeah. Um, how do we, like, we want to make improvements to our staging and backdrops and such, but we have, we don't have another space to set up during the week to run it, and then we have no time on Sunday. How do we get better at just the, I mean, just changing our aesthetics and stuff? You just got to rent, rent it on off-peak days or hours, and figure out with the manager, get really nice with him, love on them a little bit, and then say, hey, is there any way that we can come in, like, like a Saturday morning, super early, set up to like practices or like I know my friend again, Tim Sarek, they'll set up for eight hours on a Saturday and then they walk in on church and it's done. You can negotiate all that stuff because they just want money. They don't care about, you know, church. They just want your money. So if you're willing to pay for a practice round on a Saturday morning or super late on a Monday night or you know, your team, portable church teams, they're down for any of that stuff. So if you can figure some of that out, um, you, but you have to have time. It, it just takes time. Yeah. I have a question. So uh, we've been doing it for two years, and we did the U-Falls, and we did the whole four o'clock experience, things like that, learned a lot. We're at a place now where we, um, I've made the, the faithful uh, setup people, the leaders, and I've learned, like you said, that maybe they're not the best leaders. They're great at doing the setup and teardown. So how would you differentiate, um, or what are the practical steps you would take to make a leader over the setup team? Uh, because a lot of the leaders that I may know in my church are not there for setup, and I think that would be kind of messed up a little bit. No, it would be messed up. You just got to paint in the right way. If, you, if you're asking somebody to do something apologetically, you're already painting in a negative light. If you turn around and say, dude, you're an amazing leader. Everything you touch turns to gold. You're, you raise teams. If you look for the people who are gatherers, who are who people are following, the type of person who they walk in the room and everybody just walks over to them and starts talking to them. Find that guy. Find that girl and say, listen, I need you for the next six months to be in charge of the setup team. Because they're, you know, here's where the issues are, but I think your expertise, your leadership could really turn around that whole thing around. And I want to help, I want to help you. With this, so you're developing his leadership, and then you check in on. Him. Don't don't give it and let it go. Hey, how's it going? Give me some reports. You're starting to you know develop the leaders because again, that's what we're called to do is raise leaders. Ephesians four, we're not even called to, to, to be ministers. I'm not a minister. You're not a minister. We're, we're pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers to train the people to do the works of ministry. So um, I never felt. Again, I never felt awkward for asking a dream teamer to serve anywhere. Like some people think, I can't ask them to do that. They're not paid staff. No way. One of the greatest things you could I could do for you is expect more out of you. Yeah. I'm calling you a higher height. For many of them, this is the only thing they do all week long where they feel significance. They feel like it makes an eternal impact. You sell that thing like, dude, because of what you do, 200 people are going to get saved this year. I mean... You gotta get them to see what you see. That's part of leadership, right? Helping them see what you see. Because we have, we always pride Joshua and Caleb. Like, woo, Joshua and Caleb—they're the only ones who saw it. 
Hey, look at me, everybody. We preached that for years. That's also a very sad statement. Out of a million plus people, they saw it, but they couldn't get anybody else to see it. You've got to get people on the team to see, why are we doing this? Because until share stories are so powerful. So-and-so gave her life to Jesus last week. She came here, she was broken, crying. It's because you came here at 5 a.m. in the morning. Thank you so much for doing what you do, for believing in people that much. Language creates culture. Change the way you pitch it. You've been pitching fastballs. Change it up a little bit. And turn around so that you can you can speak to the heart of them. That makes sense? I think we have time for one more. I can, I can close if there's nobody else. Anybody else? Yeah, one more. Uh, sometimes when I'm like directing setup, I feel uncomfortable. Like if they say like, you know, we're doing the 16 foot pipe and crate and it just looks like a mountain range because it's not even. I, I'm kind of uncomfortable. I'd be like, hey, do you guys want to go back and like gotta even that out? Absolutely. Okay. Whatever you, whatever you allow, you encourage. So if you let that go, they don't think that's okay. Come back and say, no, guys, it's got to be level. Step back here, and here's how you do it. Nope, raise that up. Put yours down. Perfect. Every Sunday until they just get it. Yeah. All right, last one, yeah. Last I never asked the community to donate because I felt awkward. I felt I didn't want to be the church begging for something. I wanted them. I want the church to be the one that they come to learn from, and not remember like, oh, we were the ones begging for stuff. So we we prayed, we resourced, we budgeted, we planned, and we started with. I remember our very first lights. We had some par cans on on a wall behind the pipe trip at a at a, at a theater. I mean, uh, um, Capitorium. And we thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. It was like park hands just lighting up with a purple. We got purple. We got purple on the wall. Revival's going to break out. <laughs> and literally, it was like four cans. And so you, you start off with what you what you can afford, obviously. But you talk to some of these guys. You work for a stage design company, probably? Which, what's the name of it? Oh, I work for like all kinds of Okay. So um, you, you, can, you can talk to some of the other churches that have the look you want and just begin to ask them, what is that like? How much is that? You know, back in the day we did spandex. I mean, I didn't wear them, but I, um, <laughs> we had spandex on the, the wall and then we shot up color on it. It was so cool. And, uh, and that, that went out of style. And so you're just trying to figure out what's cool now and look at look around. I mean, you come to a church like this with this scrillion lights. You're like, dang. This is amazing. What's their energy bill here? <laughs> but you just start with what you can. Start small and, and work your way up. But it's got to be good. I'd rather have no lights than cheesy. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a bad website. So we waited until we, 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 until we could afford something really cool. And then we did that. But work on that stage design. All right. Thanks, everybody. Let me pray for you. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you that you have called us to build the church. And I bless these churches in the mighty name of Jesus. Let them experience your grace. Give them more than they need so they can be the biggest blessing they can be. Give them influence. 
give them your presence and your power. And I pray for divine protection. I pray that, Lord, you bless their teams. Bless the, the, the locations and the venues that they inhabit. That they would be a blessing there. And Jesus, I also pray that you would open up the door for buildings. Yes. Lord, as we all have dwelt in our paneled houses and, and, and some of us are portable, I pray that we could build a home, not just for you. We know you don't dwell in houses made by man, but Lord, to reach more people. There's something to be said about permanency. So I pray for crazy stories of open doors, finances, everything to come into play at the right time. And I pray until then, we would be faithful with little and you'll make us rulers over much. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen.